comes from Paul's first letter to the church in Corinth. Paul, called to be an apostle of, Jesus, of Christ Jesus by the will of God and our brother Sosipi, to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Jesus Christ, called to be saints, together with those in every place call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their land and ours. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that has been given you in Christ Jesus. For in every way you have been enriched in him in speech and knowledge of every kind. Just as the testimony of Christ has been strengthened among you so that you are not lacking in any spiritual gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Christ Jesus. We will always strengthen you to the end so that you may be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful. By him you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. The word of the Lord. Our opening prayer this morning mentioned the truth that Jesus shall come again in his glorious majesty to judge the living and the dead. Jesus as judge is not our most favorite image of Jesus. I don't like to think about Jesus sitting there telling me all the things that I've done right and wrong. Hey, that was good, John. Hey, don't do that anymore, John. That was bad. It's, it's like the image that we received last week when we read from Matthew chapter 25, where Jesus is judging people based upon how they treated others. There he is, separating people out on the left and the right, sheep and goats. And he's separating them based upon how they have treated others, based upon how they have or have not visited people in prison, or how they have or have not clothed those that are naked, or how they have or had not fed the hungry. Those who have done those things to sheep, they are rewarded. And those who haven't done those things to goats, they are punished by Judge Jesus. Even though this might not be our go-to picture for Jesus, the season of Advent comes every year within the church calendar and reminds us of Jesus as judge. This is one of the things that we proclaim as Christians. Jesus judges. We're reminded of that in our prayers regularly, just like we've already prayed this morning. We are reminded of it here in a minute. We're going to stand up and say the Nicene Creed. Every week we say that creed and we talk about Jesus coming again to judge the living and the dead. We read about it in scriptures like we did last week in Matthew chapter 25. Jesus judges. And yet, as Christians, we also proclaim that Jesus loves and Jesus forgives and that Jesus is full of grace and mercy. And we have prayers and scriptures and liturgies that remind us of that truth as well. In some ways, it seems like these two truths don't really go together well. They're kind of opposites. On one side, we have the judging, punishing Jesus. And then on the other side, we have the loving, forgiving Jesus. And you might be wondering yourself, when on the last day, when that day does come, which Jesus will I stand before? Will I get the forgiving Jesus, or will I get the punishing Jesus? How do I know which one I get? To help us make sense of these opposing images of Jesus, take a look at our reading from 1 Corinthians this morning. 
Here we have the opening of this letter that Paul wrote to these early Christians in Corinth, this beginning church. And Paul, in these first nine verses, he has some wonderful, outstanding things to say about these Christians. Notice all the good things that Paul says about them. He says they are sanctified. They are saints. Paul says that he gives thanks for them always. He talks about them being rich in speech and knowledge. They don't lack any spiritual gift. They are in fellowship with Jesus. And on the last day, when they stand before Jesus and they are to be judged, Paul says that they will be blameless. They will be without fault. They're going to get the thumbs up from Jesus. This church, this group of people from these nine verses sound pretty wonderful. Right? You put that description up on your church website, you're going to get a lot of people who want to go and be a part of that kind of church. Right? Sign me up. These folks seem to have this whole Christian church thing figured out. You might begin to think these Corinthian Christians, these must be the best Christians that there ever was. And that might be true if we only had the first nine verses of Corinthians, and that's all we had. But if we read through the rest of this letter, we see that this group of Christians had some serious problems they were dealing with. Here's some of the things that they had going on in their congregation. They were fighting about who was to be in charge and who should be the leader of their church. There were some people that were prideful about their spiritual gifts and thought that they were better than other people. Others were dealing with sexual immorality. You had church members that were taking each other to court and suing each other. They were arguing about what kind of food they could or could not eat. Their worship service was chaotic. You had lots of different people talking at different times and vying for attention, saying, look over here. People were not sharing their food with each other. Some people were getting drunk at church, and others did not believe that Jesus rose from the dead and were teaching people. Right? Imagine going to this church on Sunday. The worship service begins, and multiple people start standing up and talking and saying, hey, look over here, I got something to say, and someone else is saying, no, no, look over here. Dude, it's very chaotic. You got one person who's sitting there in the congregation who's suing another person sitting there in the congregation. They're going to see each other in court on Monday. You have someone who's engaging in sexual relationships with not, who's not their wife, or, and everyone in the church knows about it. Other folks are meeting in a separate room because they think that they are holier and better than the other people in the church, and so they don't want to associate with them. You have a, one group fighting about what kind of food can be served after the service at the meal, and there's a group in the middle that is getting drunk. Right? They didn't come to church drunk. They came to sober and are getting drunk during the service. And you got other people there that are teaching that Jesus did not rise from the dead. And then everybody is arguing about who's going to be in charge. Right? Who wants to go to that kind of church? Yeah, it's not exactly the shining example of Christian community. It's a mess. This is the Corinthian church. This is the same church that Paul says all of these wonderful things about in the first nine verses of the letter that we read this morning. These are the people that Paul says, you will be blameless, you will be without fault on the day of judgment. 
What Paul is saying here is that all these Christians there in Corinth with their problems, they will be counted as sheep. Jesus will sit in judgment of them and say, you are the people who loved others. You will be blameless. How can Paul say that? How can he say, you drunken, sexually immoral, prideful, argumentative, divisive, and unbelieving people? You are going to be blameless on the last day. You will inherit eternal life. Paul is able to say these wonderful words to these sinful people because of the last sentence in our reading. Paul writes, God is faithful. By him you were called into fellowship of his son. Paul believes that God is faithful. God will not abandon people. These people who have committed their lives to Jesus have received God's spirit. And even though they have all kinds of sin and problems, Paul believes that God will be faithful to change these people into who, the pe- into who God wants them to be. To change them into people that love. People that shun pride and put others before themselves. People that seek unity and not division. People who live in right relationship with one another. People who believe in the resurrection. Paul believes that God will do this for these people. And that is why he can say these wonderful words about them despite all of their problems. And one reason that Paul believes this so strongly is because of his own personal experiences. Paul knows that transformation is possible. He himself used to go around persecuting Christians, beating them, throwing them in jail, stoning them. And yet now he is trying to make more Christians, telling everyone that because of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, all people may have a relationship with God. Paul is on a road, on a journey to be declared blameless when Jesus returns. Paul knows how God has been at work in his his own life, cleaning out his own sin and remaking him into a loving person that God wants him to be. Paul has seen it for himself, and he knows that God is going to do the same thing in the life of these Christians there in Corinth. So dear Christian, on the last day of judgment, You do not need to worry about whether you will stand before the loving Jesus or the judging Jesus. God is at work within you to transform you from a goat into a sheep. From a person who does not love into a person who does love. God is faithful to do that work. And part of believing in Jesus is trusting God to do that work in your life. And not only can you trust God to do that for you, but you can trust God to do that for your sisters and brothers in Christ as well. It's easy to look around and say, oh, that person is beyond hope. There is no way that person is going to experience the salvation of God. Their sinfulness is too much. It's too large. There's nothing that God can do for them. But we should not think that and we should not say that. Because that is not what God does for any of us. We must trust the God who is at work in the life of Paul, who is at work in the life of these first Christians in Corinth, who is at work in our lives, that that same God is also at work in the life of others around us. God is
today, trust Jesus. Do not worry about the day of judgment. God is faithful to prepare you and make you blameless when that day comes.